0: Tomorrow is Election Day. A COP27 update. Is Joe Biden cooperating with the world government? World War III, the big one, is coming. A blood moon on Election Day. Is that prophetic? Is your bank spying on you? The answer is, well, yes, they are. Why the massive push for electric vehicles? Control. But we'll analyze these headlines and much more on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Now, I know tomorrow is Election Day, and I I understand that many of you may have already voted. However, for those of you who haven't and are still undecided, to me, as a man of God, a God-called minister, the choice is pretty simple. Uh, when you talk about um, you know, the different issues, to me, abortion, uh, you say, well, that's not on the ballot or whatever. Well, I've heard people say that. Well, listen, you understand that the Supreme Court made the decision recently that pushed the decisions down to the states about abortion and how to determine that and what happens there. And so abortion to me is one of the main issues here. And so I want it, it again it's easy for me because I know what the Bible says about these things. God hates uh, hands that shed innocent blood. And so I I've had people that I know that are attached to me on Facebook that claim to be a Christian but support abortion. Now, I'm scratching my head over that one. Think about that. And so when we talk about... Now, I I voted last week. I went to early voting, voted last week. But I know that in some of these things, yes, gun control and immigration and the economy is very, very important. And, you know, you can vote however you want to, but for me, when I look at just the issue of abortion, or um, that would be one thing, but think about it, how the governors reacted uh, during the COVID-19 situation, and some of them wanted to open their states up, and some of them wanted to close them down. It's very important how you vote, isn't it? And so I was just thinking about this. Some people just go in there and vote haphazardly, and now ah, who cares? No, no, it's much more important than that. It's your civic duty, and we want to make sure we get it right. And so I don't look to government for the answers to my problems or to my issues or whatever, but it's still pretty important how you vote, isn't it? And who we have in these elected offices. So uh, I would just encourage you um, make sure that you're voting um, in a way that would get this country on track. If you're happy the way things are going, then you know how to vote. But if you're not, let's change this thing up a little bit. It's very, very important. And I uh, want to make sure that we, um, we're we getting back where God wants us to be. Now, we can't do that, obviously, in every process. Uh, Person that we're voting for. I I, I understand all that. But we can do the best we can, can't we? Do our civic duty, vote, see if we can't get it right. Next, I want to give you a COP27 update. A lot of this big spin going on from the United Nations about human induced global warming, which leads to climate change and the earth's going to burn up, and oh, we're just, you know, this is the, the, the last eight years have been the hottest, year, uh, hottest years in recorded human history or whatever. Okay. What does the Bible say? Genesis eight twenty two. It says, While the earth remaineth, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be cold and there will be heat. There will be summer and there will be winter. And day and night shall not cease, as long as the earth remaineth. Some people would say, well, if we don't get the climate change uh, situation handled, this big crisis, we're going to burn up the earth. No, we're not. The Bible says that the earth will be here at least another thousand years. Revelation 24 through 5. John said, And I saw thrones, and them that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded, for the witness of Jesus, this is during the great tribulation, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had they received his mark, and their right hands were in their foreheads, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. These individuals that went, uh, that lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, the Bible says this is the first resurrection. It's a time of the rapture. And those individuals lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So according to these scriptures, the earth will be here for at least another thousand years and will have, again, Genesis, and will have seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night. So when I look at this, these United Nations meetings that are trying to scare everybody into some kind of a socialistic Uh, yield up your sovereignty and your wealth. I don't pay any attention to it because I know what the United Nations was designed to do. So I'm going to go and give you a COP27 update. What's really going on there? We could get caught up in a lot of minutiae, but once you understand what the United Nations was really designed to do and designed to be, pretty simple, right? It was designed from its inception to be a socialistic, communistic, one-world governing body. So all of the propaganda that they put out is socialistic, right? You're not going to have a socialistic organization that puts off something other than that. So all of this uh, World Economic Forum and all these different things, they are designed to move us off of the capitalistic system onto a socialistic system with the redistribution of the wealth of the world. So when we talk about this COP27... It's what this is all designed to do, and we'll get into it very extensively on the other side of this break that's coming up. And we're going to go off specifically with, um, I'm going to start with Antonio Guterres, the current Secretary General of the United Nations, and his speech opening the COP27 or the Conference of Parties at the United Nations uh, Climate Conference. And he goes into the scare tactics and then what we need to do. And then we will see, hey, is Joe Biden aligning with these principles and pushing world government in the United States, the propaganda of the United Nations? Well, actually, we're going to see that he is. And we'll get deep into that on the other side of the break.
1: Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming. Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to slash future or call 800 end time. That's 800 363
2: 8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and had we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
1: What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of NWH television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call one 800 end or visit endtime.com slash events for more information.
0: You all know that the Bible prophesies there's going to be a world-governing body in the end time, and we are watching the establishment of that as we speak. Antonio Guterres, the current Secretary General of the United Nations, he was speaking at the United Nations Climate Change Conference, otherwise known as the Conference of Parties, or COP27, which began yesterday in uh, Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. United, and uh, Tony Gutierrez, his remarks are to the high-level opening of this COP27. He says this, this um, UN Climate Conference is a reminder that the answer is in our hands and the clock is ticking. Now, look at his message here. He's going to try to scare you. He said, we're in the fight of our lives and we are losing. Greenhouse gas emissions, are they keep growing. Global temperatures are rising and our planet is fast approaching tipping points that will make climate chaos irreversible. So we got to do something right now, right? He said, humanity has a choice. Either cooperate or perish. Well, I know from the prophecies of the Bible, the earth's going to be here another thousand years, and the Bible says everything's going to function pretty much as normal, uh, climate-wise, throughout that time. So... Antonio Guterres says, that is why at the beginning, because this scare tactic, either cooperate or perish, that is why at the beginning of the COP27, and I'm quoting him now, he said, I'm calling for a historic pact between developed and emerging economies, a climate solidarity pact. The deadly impacts of climate change are here and now. Loss and damage can no longer be swept under the rug. And that is why I'm asking all of the governments to tax the windfall profits of fossil fuel companies. So they're trying to do away with fossil fuel companies. Oil, gas, coal, right? You say, well, hold on a minute. I've heard a little bit about that from our president lately, right? Is Joe Biden going along with the United Nations propaganda at COP27? Let me see. Okay. Well, President Joe Biden had a testy exchange with a climate protester at the end of a last-minute rally to boost support for New York Governor Kathy Hochul just two days ahead of the midterm elections. And while he was wrapping up the speech, a climate protester shouted something at Biden that made him seem visibly annoyed. And he said, there's no more drilling. Well, after the protester continued to shout at him, He shot back. And he sounded even more irritable. He said, there is no more drilling. I haven't formed any new drilling. And then Biden said, in an event at Carlsbad, California, this was on Friday, and I'm quoting, he says this, I was in Massachusetts about a month ago on the site of the largest oil, uh, largest old uh, old coal plant in America. Guess what? It cost them too much money. They can't count. No one is building new coal plants because they can't rely on it. Even if they have all the coal guaranteed for the rest of the existence of the plant. He goes on to say so it's going to become a wind generation. And they're all doing and all they're doing is going to save them a lot of money and using the same transmission line that they transmission uh, they transmitted the coal-fired electric on. We're going to be shutting these plants down, the coal plants, all across America and having wind and solar. Now, what did Antonio Guterres say they needed to do at COP27 at his opening speech? We are going to basically be attacking, moving off of fossil fuels. This is exactly what Joe Biden is pushing as we speak folks. They're driving us to this electronic, electronic electric vehicles, wind solar and doing away with oil companies and oil production. So it's all the establishment, they're all working together to get all of their agendas this 2030 agenda across the finish line. And all it's doing is promoting wealth redistribution and furthering their efforts of global governance to control everybody. Earthbeat actually said, which is a project of the National Catholic Reporter, the Bible says there's going to be a world government in the end time, right? And that a world religious system will support that, advocate for that, and get the religions of the world to do it. Well, Earthbeat, which is a project of the National Catholic Reporter, The article stated that um, the title was Ahead of COP27, Faith Leaders Back a Global Treaty to End the Use of Fossil Fuels. They're getting the religious organizations involved in this. It states, As world leaders prepare for the next United Nations Summit on Climate Change, which is happening now in Egypt, representatives of world religions have lent support ...for a proposed international treaty to facilitate a fair and rapid phase-out of fossil fuels that drive global warming. The burning fossil fuels, namely coal, oil, and gas, is the primary driver of climate change. They say that since the Industrial Revolution has heated the planet 1.2 degrees Celsius... ...and is on track to push warming to 2.8 degrees Celsius... By the end of the century, according to the latest emissions gap report from the U.N. Environmental Program, does anybody believe, listening to me today, does anybody trust or believe the U.N. climate reports that have been doctored so much all these years by the United Nations bought and paid for scientists? Does anybody pay attention to them anymore? That's another conversation for another day. So this letter is supported by two global faith-based environmental networks, Green Faith and the Laudato Si' movement. You understand that uh, Pope Francis has created this Laudato Si' seven-year plan and pushing environmentalism. He totally supports the Sustainable Development Goals. All of the the, uh, United Nations COP27 plans... And they're all pushing. This Laudato Si movement is by the, is from Pope Francis' plan. Now, you say, well, I'm scared to death, and I think we need to move into world government. Whoa, 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 hold on. I want you to think about something. Because when you hear about all this global warming, which leads to climate change and human-induced and all this stuff, because of our coal-fired power plants... And all the fossil fuels were burning, that that's creating the Earth to warm, and it's the warmest it's ever been. Think about this: During the medieval warming period, the Vikings sailed in waters that are now frozen. The Vikings took advantage of those ice-free seas to colonize Greenland and other outlying lands of the far north. It was around 1000 A.D. that the climate was sufficiently warm for the north of Newfoundland to support a Viking colony that eventually was named Vinland because of the fine grapes and the wines that they produced. So those areas, which had vineyards at that point, about 1000 A.D., Those areas are completely under several feet of ice today. Now, that provides absolute proof that it was warmer back then than it is now. You say, well, hold on a minute. What caused the global warming back then? It certainly wasn't SUVs and coal-fired power plants, the burning of fossil fuels, Something else must have caused the warming back then. Perhaps it was the sun. I don't know. But I know that history records it was warming back then. And furthermore, this time of warming didn't plunge the world into apocalyptic chaos, even though it was warmer than it is right now. You say, Dave, that makes too much sense. That's the point. So, what's the conclusion? global warming was not man made then and global warming is not man made now cop 27 is another high level meeting of the elites in the united nations pushing their propaganda <clears throat> designed to scare nations into redistributing their wealth go look at the top the uh, cop 27 the websites and everything we need everybody to commit their money to commit their hundreds of billions of dollars, and we're going to need much more than that. There's article after article on this. It's all about wealth redistribution. It's not about the climate, folks. And, of course, Al Gore, he's speaking. Now, and you remember his Inconvenient Truth movie, which none of that came to pass anyway, but it scared a lot of people at the point, right? So, <clears throat> with a communistic agenda that's driving the mechanics of the, of the United Nations, we know that because from its inception, the, the architect of the United Nations Charter was Alger Hiss, who was a communist spy. So, with this communistic agenda driving the mechanics of them, you know what's going to come out of them. It's socialistic propaganda. It's easy to see how these global elites have been able to work from within the United Nations to quietly build a world-governing body. That's exactly what they're doing. Why is Joe Biden trying to shut down all the coal-fired power plants? He just said it over the weekend. Because he as is adhering to, he made commitments with the Paris Climate Agreement, commitments to do away with carbon emissions and go to net zero at some point in the future. So you've got to get rid of these huge coal-fired power plants. So he's on board with all of this. It's a socialistic world government. That's the goal of what the United Nations is doing, and promoting the belief in global warming is one of the number one vehicles to reach the goal. And the that's what the World Economic Forum is all about. That's what... Um, the the, uh, Greta Thunberg, she gave a speech the other day. That's what she was saying it was all about, attacking this capitalistic system. It's over and over and over, folks. They want to do away with capitalism. The United States is the last great holdout. If they can overtake the United States, they would consume the world with socialism and then communism and have this one world governing body. That's exactly what they're trying to do. That's your COP27 update. It, because it would be fully it would be impossible to fully realize the dream of this communistic one world governing body without the redistribution of wealth from the from the developed nations i e the United States to the poor underdeveloped nations of the world and that 's the goal of um, global warming and the climate change hoax the united nations these elites know that this perpetual Life-threatening. I, I, I read you from the speech of Antonio Guterres at the opening of COP27. They've got to have a life-threatening crisis because that's necessary to convince wealthy nations to accept the punitive cost of cap-and-trade taxes and to redistribute their wealth. Donald Trump, the reason he pulled us out of the Paris Climate Agreement was because he realized it was wealth through distribution, committing all this money and different things to... Um, to this global governing scheme. So he pulled us out. But just at the very beginning of the Biden administration, he pushes us right back into it because he's a globalist. He believes in a world government. So wealth redistribution is exactly what carbon cap-and-trade laws are designed to accomplish. The government sets a cap on the amount of carbon emissions that an industrialized nation can emit. And then if they exceed that, carbon credits can be purchased from underdeveloped nations who have more credits than they need. They're pushing for this um, and have pushed in a, a lot in recently. And CO2 emissions, they have nothing to do with global warming. If they do, it's minuscule. Global warming, fear-mongering, is simply a scheme put together by global elites to redistribute the wealth of the world and move us into a world-governing body. That's one of their efforts. So you can see... What COP27 is all about, and I wanted You're going to hear about it in the news. It's all in every newspaper just about, every news source, COP27, COP27. I wanted you to step back and say, okay, what is this really all about? There's a lot of hoopla, and, but at the end of the day, that's what they're trying to do. At the end of the day, that's what the World Economic Forum Great Reset's all about. All of this stuff, people have told us many times over the years, it's about the redistribution of wealth. Which is one of the major planks of socialism, because the United Nations is a socialistic global governing body. Okay? And it's prophesied about in the Bible the end time world government. Now, next topic the Jerusalem Post. They said that the Ukraine war is a warm up, and the big one is coming, and the U.S. is behind in our nuclear uh, arsenal, the Admiral. An admiral warns. So the U.S. STRATCOM head uh, warned that China and Russia are out-competing America in the nuclear arena and that we're losing deterrence. And that the war in Ukraine is a prelude to a greater military challenges to the U.S. in the near future and that America is losing its competitive edge in nuclear weapons capabilities. And this was told by U.S. Strategic Command Head Admiral Charles Richard. He warned that in a speech at the Naval Naval Submarine League's 2022 Annual Symposium and the industry update on Wednesday. And that was the, um, the U.S. Defense Department reported that. Well, of course, we know that there is a big conflict coming. It's prophesied about in Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21. World War III is coming. And where it will begin, it's going to begin in the Euphrates River region. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break.
1: Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. Go to intime.com or call one 800 entime That's 1-800-INTIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation: The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before.
0: Now, the article goes on to say that the Ukraine crisis that we're in right now, that that's just a warm-up. Admiral Richards said this. He said the the big one's coming and it's going to be not going to it isn't going to be before very long that we're going to get tested in ways the United States that we haven't been tested in a long time. He said our principal competitors continue to expand and diversify their nuclear capabilities to include novel and destabilizing systems as well as non-nuclear capabilities that could be used to conduct strategic attacks. And he's talking about this at the the, um, the Nuclear Posture Review. They have dem- demonstrated little interest in reducing their, al- their reliance on nuclear weapons. By contrast, the United States is focused on the timely replacement of legacy-fielded systems that are rapidly approaching the end of their service life. He said that China seeks to possess at least 1,000 deliverable warheads by the end of 2030, and Russia intends to deploy 1,550 START treaty limited warheads on delivery vehicles. So he, he's saying that the big one's coming. They recognize this. They know that the Russia-Ukraine thing is just a warm-up. Well... From a prophetic perspective, Revelation chapter 9, verse 13 through 21 says that World War Three is coming and it will be nuclear. You're going to kill 40 times the amount of people, just over 40 times the amount of people that were killed in World War II. And so you're one third of the world's population, the Bible says, and so... Uh, I'm I'm sitting here watching these articles and different things that are talking, and people are are throwing out the word nuclear now like, oh, well, it's just, you know, they're building up their nuclear arsenal and they they might fire off a nuke any day. And I'm like, folks, that's the last thing we want to happen. We know it's coming, but I don't want that to happen. And so, you know, the number one way that I'm prepare myself for that is I'm making sure I'm ready to go spiritually. You say, I know you guys always say that, but, you know, that, that's uh, kind of pie-in-the-sky stuff. No, it's absolutely not. The number one thing you should do is to make sure your salvation is set and you're ready to go. And you're living as a Christian every single day. you got a prayer life. You've got a relationship with the Lord. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's nothing more important than that. Sure, we can talk about storing up some canned goods and this, that, and the other. But when all is said and done i've got to place my life in god's hands and say lord whatever you want for me that's what i want and that's the best way i can prepare and you know i how you know there there's times coming in the future when we'll need to talk about financial things and um you know how we're all surviving and all these other things i i got all that but the number one way to prepare for all of this is make sure your salvation is set and you're ready to go you've been born again you're ready to meet the lord if he should come today or if he should come a few years from now or if i you know something happens and the lord decides to take me on the way home from work today and you know i mean that, that's it's of utmost importance folks and we can talk about all this stuff all we want but if somebody listening to me to me is not ready to meet the lord then wow we've got to stop all this and have that conversation right everybody I mean, what's the number one thing in your life? The absolute number one thing. I heard a... a um, I was watching something on YouTube the other day. This guy was reading a study that was done by a nurse. And she had been a nurse for years and years and years and years. And she had been there when many people were getting ready to pass. And she had talked to them. And they had... To- she Her last words, this nurse was saying... That she never had anybody say, Oh, I wish I'd have got that bigger boat. I wish I'd have bought the bigger house. I wish I could have made more money. She never had anybody say that. Everybody said, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have made it right with my son or estranged daughter or whoever. I wish I would have treated people better. I wish I would have, one guy said, I wish I would have taken more chances. Um, But a lot of people said, I wish I would have had a better prayer life and a better relationship with the Lord. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. These people were ready to pass on. And this is what they were talking about at the end of their life. It wasn't about material things. They had forgot about all that. It was the most important things. Your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with your fellow man. That's the most important. And so we got to get that right then we can talk about what kind of food you should store up and how to survive this and all that. That's secondary to your relationship with the Lord. Okay. Now, we'll spend some future programs on that. I had people, there's a lot of people that are interested in the fact that the, on the election day, That there's going to be a blood moon. I I know some people are saying, well, you know, what does it matter? And I feel like I got a spider or something in here with me today. I don't know what there is, but the, um, forgive me, the blood moon on election day. I know a lot of people get wrapped up around that. Headlines are claiming there's going to be a blood moon on election day. Is this prophetic? The answer is no, but let me explain Uh, Because a lot of people get stirred up about this kind of stuff. And so, there's a blood... So you say, what's a blood moon? Is it literally a moon dripping blood? Well, a blood moon is a lunar eclipse that occurs when the earth passes between the sun and the moon and that blocks the the sun's rays from reflecting off of the moon as normal so it's not big and white, However, some of the sun's rays curve around the earth, causing the moon to appear red during this total eclipse. So because of its vivid color, a total lunar eclipse is often referred to by NASA as a blood red moon. And some people said, hey, on election day this year, there's going to be a blood moon. And oh, this is prophetic, and it's you know something's got to happen. well, no, it's actually not. There have been many, many, many blood moons, and there's only one blood moon in the future that i'm would be concerned about and so but I will say what got everybody stirred up? Well, it was a few years ago there were some prophecy teachers that were declaring boldly that something was getting ready to happen and that will change the world forever in the proximity of a set of blood moons coinciding with Jewish feast days. And it got a lot of people's attention focused on blood moons. But nothing happened. Okay? Now, but whenever you say blood moon, some people get stirred up. Now, some people are asked, "Well, should we pay attention to the moon and the stars?" Well, So let me go back to the book of Genesis because you can't discredit some of this. Uh, In Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, God said, let there be lights in the firmament and the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. But notice, let them be for signs. What does that mean? It's not necessarily pagan to observe these signs. Now, we know that we're not into astrology. We don't look to the moon and the stars and all this to uh, determine how we're going to live our life in the future and all that. We're not into any of that. Now, that is paganism. But, at the same time, the scripture does say that the firmament was placed there and let them be for signs. So, what does that mean? Well, oh, by the way, the, you, you know that the wise men were led by led to Jesus by a star, right? Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So they were following a sign, right? And it was given to them by God. God led them there. But later on in chapter 9, I'm sorry, later on in that chapter, verse 9, the Bible says, When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child, Jesus, was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So God has at times used stars, used the heavens, To indicate things to mankind. Well, what about the prophecy of the moon being turned into blood? Well, in Joel chapter 2, verses 30 and 31, the Bible says, uh, In the end time, I will show wonders in the heavens, in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, When is that going to happen? In the end time. Revelation 6.12 says the same thing. It says, "And And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. These are the same event. They're not two separate events. Same event. So we have these prophecies of the end time that the moon is going to turn into blood. We have to ask ourselves, however, does this literally mean the moon is going to turn into physical blood. Well, it's not reasonable to believe that the entire moon is going to be turned into blood. I mean, the prophecy undoubtedly means that the moon is going to take on the appearance of blood. It's going to be one of those signs in heaven. What is the, you know, what is the Bible uh, talking about when you know, the moon turning into Turn into blood, and, and when is it prophesied to happen? Well, uh, when will the when will the moon turn into blood? According to scripture, well, Joel chapter two verse thirty again, I will show you wonders of heavens, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. So, Joel said that the sun will be turned in uh, turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord. So the term the day of the Lord, when's that? It's found quite a number of times in Scripture, right? So can we nail it down? When is the time called the day of the Lord supposed to happen? Well, Zechariah 14, through 3 tells us very clearly that it will happen just at the time of the battle of Armageddon. Um, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. The residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when He fought in the day of battle. So this passage says that I'm going to gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Well, the day of the Lord will occur at the time of the battle of Armageddon. This is what this is referring to. And it also states that Jesus will come... At the time of the Battle of Armageddon and fight against the armies of the Antichrist on behalf of the people of Israel. So the scripture clearly teaches us that the day of the Lord will occur at the time of the Battle of Armageddon, uh, and the Battle of Armageddon takes place at the very end of the Great Tribulation period. There's another passage that answers this question as well Uh, When will the moon be turned to blood? And again I'm gonna go back to Revelation chapter six, verse twelve. And I know I'm coming up to break. I'll get to it here just afterwards, but very important that we understand these things because these the moon turning to blood, it happens the one we're looking for, it happens in the future. It's at the end of the Great Tribulation period. We'll talk about it when we get back a little bit more. Revelation chapter six, verse twelve, answers get, answers the same question for us: When does this event happen? When the uh, sun will be darkened, moon shine like liver light, stars will fall from heaven. When does that happen? In Revelation six twelve, John said, "And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. Lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became as black as hair, and the moon became as blood." So this tells us that the moon will become as blood at the time of the sixth seal. Now, remember that in, um, in uh, Joel chapter 2, the day of the Lord that happens at the time of the battle of Armageddon, we proved that, that with Zechariah 14. Now here when we get to the sixth seal, it is, it's talking about the same thing. So that brings up the question, when is the sixth seal? Well, it's recorded in Revelation 6, Verses 14 through 17. The Bible says, and the heaven departed as the as a scroll when it is rolled together. You would pull it apart, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Now, remember this is part of the seals, trumpets, and vials are part of the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. So once you understand the skeletal structure of that, the seals, trumpets, and vials, and then also the simultaneous harvest in Revelation 14. I'm telling you, that really opens up your understanding of the book of Revelation. So once you understand that and that the seals are the first account of events leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon, then it becomes really easy to understand the timing of what we're talking about right here. Okay? So the Bible says every mountain and island will be moved out of their places at this event, the sixth seal... And the kings of the earth and the great men of the rich men and the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman, every free man, they hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Hey, fall upon us. Hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, If you understand the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation and the timing of all this, if you believe the traditional teaching that the book of Revelation is written in chronological order, then you're going to have the wrath of God happening four times in the future. You understand? I'm in Revelation 6, and the Bible says, Thy wrath has come. But the seven vials of the wrath of God are also poured out in Revelation sixteen. So, the wrath of God, the day of the Lord, is that poured out twice in the future? No, it's once. But it's, the same event is talked about over and over and over in the Book of Revelation. In the four accounts, the skeletal structure, folks. If you so, it, it, one of the best ways that you can learn about all this, our new Revelation commentary series. It walks you through all this in great detail, which I'm not going to have time to do today. But go to endtime.com and buy that Revelation series or go to End of the H Plus and watch it or, or um, go to the Jerusalem Prophecy College. You can learn about all this stuff in great detail. But again, if, you're, if, you, if you try to think that, if you're going off of the belief system, the Great Tribulation is written in chronological order, you're going to have the second coming of Jesus Christ happening several times. And it only happens once, Okay. So, it, uh, in Revelation 6, it says, Thy wrath has come. Who's going to be able to stand? So, I want you to notice here that at the sixth seal, the heavens depart as a scroll when they're rolled together. And that depicts the second coming of Jesus to the earth. And the men of the earth, they're going to cry out. Hide us from the face of Him that sits on the throne. The great day of His wrath is come. The day of the Lord is the day of God's wrath. So the day of the Lord is the time when Jesus comes at the battle of Armageddon to execute judgments. Remember uh, Zechariah 14. Same thing. Jesus comes at the battle of Armageddon to execute judgment upon all of those who have rebelled against His rulership and His kingship upon the earth. And He pours out His wrath upon those that have come down against Israel to battle. Now, Jesus was even more specific in Matthew 24 concerning this blood moon event. Uh, The bibles it's obviously um, the Olivet Discourse. Jesus, it's the most famous prophecy chapter in the Bible. But I want you to look specifically at Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31. This is Jesus speaking. He says, because we're looking at the timing of this blood moon, right? Because you're, you're going to hear people talk about blood moons from here until the second coming. And especially as of late, And you're, they're, they're, I mean, people were bringing up, hey, the, the election day is happening on the, this blood moon. And what great event is going to happen? Well, the blood moon in the Bible is, you know, Joel chapter 2. And it's, it's referred to many times. Matthew 24, Revelation chapter 6. But in Matthew 24, Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days. This is the exact same event, folks. Before I get there, this is the exact same event as Joel 2 and Revelation 6. It's the exact same thing. Immediately after the tribulation. um, So that really nails it right there. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light. And this is, this is where it's talking about the blood moon again. It's the same thing. It, it almost reads identical to Revelation 6, right? So, sun will be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Same thing in Revelation 6. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. This is the exact same thing as the sixth seal. And then Jesus is going to show up, Right? The Bible says, Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send His angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now that's Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31. So, the signs, they're very specific in Matthew 24. Jesus said the moon will be turned into blood, immediately after the Great Tribulation, immediately after the Tribulation of those days, Jesus said the moon was going to be turned into blood at the second coming, at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Does the blood moon, then, the question becomes, does the blood moon on election day have anything to do with Bible prophecy? Probably not. But, I wanted to make sure because you, that you understood all this because a lot of people, it, there's a lot of people in the news right now that's, that it, it will just and over the past few years, and there will be in the future, that get caught up in these blood moons and this is going to happen and that and you know there's going to be an economic collapse and all this other and the, the thing is I want you to understand the truth. There is a time in the future when the Bible says there will be a specific blood moon. But until then, there's going to be many. And you don't need to get stirred up or scared every time one happens. Okay? I'm not living in the spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Now, again, God did use signs of the time. He did lead the wise men to Jesus by a star. And so you've got to make sure you understand. The Bible says these stars and things. People have... Navigated the Bible says, you say, Well, what does he mean when he talks about these stars and different things and the heavens being used as signs for men? The Bible says, Let them be for days and nights and years to show how how time is progressing. That's number one, number two: men have used stars for navigational purposes for thousands of years. That's what the wise men were doing. They were using a certain star. To help them navigate to where Jesus was, right? And people that are out on ships, they've used the stars to navigate by. There's no land references. What am I doing? How do I know if it's completely pitch black at night? You can't see the sun. You don't know north, south, east, or west. Well, How am I going to navigate? I navigate by the stars. They've done it for thousands of years. So you don't get all... Uh, wrapped up into uh, these um, you know this alignment of stars told me that I should go take a loan out on this house and uh, buy this car and you know I'm going to be a a spiritual guru the rest of my life. No you don't look at the stars for that kind of stuff. That's getting into spiritualism and, and paganism and weird stuff. And you what you're going to do is the best thing to do is just follow the Lord. If He shows you a sign, great. But I'm following the Lord. I'm a spirit led. The Bible says they that are led by the Spirit of God. They're the sons of God. Wow, man. Uh, I'm, i got another story I need to get to. But Man, I'm, it's probably going to have to wait till Wednesday. The Epoch Times. If you got a chance, read this article. The Epoch Times. How government makes your bank spy on you. And then, and I'm not going to get into it today. I mean, there's a lot of things I could get into, but I will just say to wrap up the programs, I've only got a couple minutes left here. We talked about earlier preparing for some of these things. You know, the end times are coming. And they are, there is a World War III coming. There is a Great Tribulation coming. There is a final seven-year period coming. I had a lady walk up to me at one of my prophecy conferences. I can't remember if it was the last one or the one before that, but almost every one, somebody will come up to me and say, how are you preparing financially? How are you, you know, are you storing up goods? Are you this, that, and the other? I have, there's nothing wrong with preparing physically for any kind of a catastrophe. Think about this. The, the night, the day or night that they shut down everything or they, that they announced, hey, COVID, things are going to start shutting down and everything, Irvin Baxter and I, my wife and his wife, were in Plymouth, Michigan doing a prophecy conference that day. We flew home on Sunday night and we heard the news. COVID's hit, everybody is going to go into, you know, isolation and everything. And I told my wife, I said, well, we probably ought to stop by Kroger's on the way home. We stopped by Kroger's, and it looked like a madhouse. I don't know why. Everybody started buying toilet paper. They were buying paper towels. It was crazy. These guys were bringing things out on pallet jacks, and people were ripping the plastic off of that to try to get to the toilet paper. So when I look at a situation like that and think, you know what, there may be some crazy times in the future. If a World War III kicks off, people may raid the grocery stores and things. There's nothing wrong with storing up some food for that, right? And if nothing else, for a couple, two or three weeks, just so when everything kind of gets back to normal, you don't have to rush and go to the grocery store and fight everybody else for something to eat, right? So just I am being sensible and in any kind of a catastrophe, uh, just trying to prepare for things like that. Uh, but I'm not going crazy and I'm going to bury myself in a hole in the ground somewhere with all my guns and just try to, you know, hold off the, the, the masses. Nah, I, I'm not going to be effective for the kingdom of God doing that. And so you just got we to, we're going to have to see how these things play out and prepare the best we can, and God will help us through these things. And that's how I'm living my life. I'm a spirit-led individual. I pray, seek God's face. He's kept his hands upon me thus far, so I can't say he's going to let me down in the future, right? And we'll be doing some programming and different things on these. What are we doing and how we're living through situations? We're going to do that all the way to the end because we're all in this together, right? We're all preparing and making ourselves ready for the soon coming of the Lord and for some of these events that are going to happen in the near future. We're all going to work together and share information of how we're all making it. God bless.